Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam Morgan, who has been surfing a lot. Yeah. So have I. A well, lot of surfing. Today was just trying not to drown, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's the news in our world, isn't it? Because where we live has been pumping. It has. What are the words? What are the adjectives? There's so many surfing adjectives. What's a better one than pumping? Come on. Firing. It's firing, isn't it? That's what the It's American... been oh, it's grun- grunting. Yeah. Or it's oh, I can't think of the word. It, it, it's just been oh, it's been going off, dude. Going off. Hey. It's a good one. Yeah, it's been absolutely relentless yeah. for what we were trying to work out. Eight, nine days back to back, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, certainly since we did the last show. It's kind of just gone and a whole range of conditions, right? From little tiny grovelly stuff as it's built and built to pretty overhead in the last couple of days big time and almost unlike our channel based surf as you were saying before the show dude today felt like um a long fetch like you said wild atlantic sort of situation and there's a lot of moving water there's a lot of energy a lot of power i love that i find myself mentally switching on more not less i sort of get inspired by really really strong energy in the ocean and i feel like i can do more top to bottom turns not front side as much, because front side, I was still on my puddle jumper. So that board, trying to get that round on, on rail when you're leaning away from yourself is really hard. So it's like quite a few of them kind of like grab rail, grab rail, grab rail, grab rail cutbacks. But backside, there was this left coming in and it was just, oh man, just oh. grind it up. Just grind it up, smack that lip mm. and bring it round. But whoa, 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 the amount of paddling that we have to do in this part of the world. I mean, it's almost, today, <laughs> people are going to hear this and be like, you're off, off your rocker, mate. But today had a Hawaiian vibe because in Hawaii, you get a lot of energy in the water, yeah. obviously, and a lot of moving water, a lot of rip, and a hell of a lot of paddling. You know, for example, like a sunset would be just an incredible amount of shifting peak and paddling and suddenly there's a closeout set on your head and you're getting wiped out and you've slapped a leash and it's a bit chaotic kind of thing. That's right. We don't get many closeout sets in our break, do we? But today we did. Yeah, yeah. Where it sort of wiped the whole line line up out, you know? Line out. We're not playing rugby. (laughs) Hey, this is a nice line out. No, the the whole lineup was wiped out on a couple of occasions today. And um, it's remarkable for our break. We don't get very many days like that, do we? And uh, you sort of both thankful and knackered after the... I think I got one wave in about 45 minutes of <laughs> paddling around. And I was frozen as well. Finally today, really, that's when it started to bite. What is it? Are we nearly in November yet? No, it's Halloween, isn't it? To November's tomorrow. 31st of October. I'm so recording yeah, this. Yeah. Sunshine, but the water's getting cold and the wind was really thrashing. Yeah, I had ice cream headaches paddling out and because um, we're not wearing hoods yet. And it makes me feel a bit sick. Really bizarre. I don't know if anyone else can empathise with that, but I get this nausea mm. that really kicks in. I got to my fifth duck dive, sixth, <laughs> a lot of duck dives because of the way the surf was, but head was really, really cold and it just ooh, makes me feel ooh, really, really sick. It's such a strange sure, feeling. Sure, that's not the pollution for all that it's shit probably that's being the, Probably in. the pollution. Stop dumping shit in the ocean. Yeah. Anyway. But no, no, it's been ace. It's been really, really good. And I've been really, really pleased that I've been able to come away from a lower feeling of confidence from the Bristol wave. I sort of, I went to Bristol wave on Wednesday and we'd had a fair bit of swell in the lead up to that trip. And so I wasn't exactly surf deprived by any means and went up there on my new board. 
And the new board is 37 litres. Mm. And my puddle is 44 litres. So quite a drop in litreage there. But I've ridden boards less than, than 37 and done well on them. It's a good amount of litres, that. It's nice and thick, but it's a rocket wide and it's got a slightly narrower nose and a slightly more high performance tail. And I thought, right, let's take this thing out. Bristol Wave on the advanced setting. So again, if you're from abroad, you're not in the UK, we have a wave park, a wave pool. And the advanced setting is probably chest high, mm-hmm. you reckon? Maybe waist to chest. Still yeah. not very big. And it's a really interesting wave. You sort of take off and like a lot of wave pools, it's sort of, well, it's not like a wave. Yeah, That's the first thing. I mean, if you've never been to a wave pool, you first, first surf, surf one, you'll be standing on a wave, but it won't feel like a wave. Now, the best way I can describe that is there's very little grunt and push in the wave itself, except it will look like it should have lots of grunt and push in it, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And I was surfing okay, and I was really glad I went in on the, on the rocket wide with the thruster set up. It kind of felt really reliable. From the photos, it, I could see, not only did I feel good, but you can see in the photos that actually things looked okay mm-hmm. for me and my standard, not mm-hmm. comparing anyone else. But I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that's, that's kind of working. And then the second session was the one where great friend of the show, Jim Edmondson, was filming. I look back at the footage and I felt quite tired in the surf because I had an early start, long drive. I changed the fins up in the rocket wide. I'd gone for a 20 with just a very small nubster, not a proper trailing fin, but a nubster fin. And it was a bit funny. And my surfing just all felt a bit clunky and got video footage of it. And I look back at it and I sort of, ooh, like that. And oh man. Just not looking my best. And the thing is with surfing, as we know, you won't look your best when you don't feel your best either. And likewise, you will probably look your best when you felt your best. Because it's about being in the flow, being in the moment, going with what you're going with and just letting it all hang loose. And I didn't, I felt all cloggy, a bit tired, a bit tense. There was lots of people in the way. And we've talked about this many times on the show. So often it's not the conditions that put us off in surfing. But other people? And the collective energy. Collective energy, people in the wave boards. I'd say half the waves I went for, there was someone always in, just slightly in the way, like even the corner of my eye who'd wiped out next to the wall. Yeah. So my first cutback immediately, I'm thinking, well, if I fuck this up, I'm going to smash them. Then as I went down the line, a couple of my turns, again, someone sort of there. It's amazing in surfing because you do need incredible levels of focus and calm and precision to do well. Mm. You can just be a down-the-line surfer if you want, and that doesn't take as much as far as we, you and I would, yeah. would know. But when you're trying to do manoeuvres, you need to be fully focused. So what I did was I came away from that Bristol Wave experience looking at those videos going, oh, that's quite disappointing, that cutback. Couple there, mm, it's all right. And then as the week went on, I then had this photo stuff done by, again, dear friend of the show, a guy called Jim. Not Jim. I've already mentioned Jim. Uh, he could be called Jim. He's a James. So he could be a Jim. But James, thank you for these if you do listen. Boogie boarding in Sidmouth. Boogie boarding in excuse Sidmouth. Me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Great lad. Real nice guy. Great local surfer here. And he took some photos of a session where I felt near enough my best. Yeah. At our local break. And the photos look quite nice. Mm-hmm. I was like, geez, actually, that's, that's quite nice. And I've, I came away going, look, on the one side, photos, videos, really useful really really useful I, I saw one photo of me doing a cutback and i sort of noticed how my bottom arm sort of remains a bit bent sometimes it doesn't really elongate my top arm does brilliantly i've got this nice top arm coffee comes right round like the coffee cup thing that the ombi talk about but this bottom hand was just slightly bent like this so i kind of went okay next day i'm gonna make the whole session about 
my bottom hand as I frontside cut back, not top hand, get that bottom hand down and around. And it made a really nice difference. So that was the plus side of photos. The downside of them is we start to base our surfing motivations around how it looks and not how it feels. And now we're in a really, really paradoxical loop that if we are getting a little too concerned of how it looks, you won't feel as good. And if you don't feel as good when you surf, it won't look as good. It's a lovely little loop, isn't it? Yeah. So you've got to throw off the shackles again and just go into it and just go, don't give a shit if I wipe out. It doesn't you've got to let that go again. You've just got to go for it. Yeah, we're talking to ourselves, aren't we? You go through each level of the journey you're on. And, you know, endless surfing the last week, let's say. And the last two days quite challenging, more challenging than previously. And you kind of go into session going, well, there's more people in the water and I've had a session that's not been as good as the one before. And your ego starts wanting to say, oh, I can surf, you know, guys, look, you know, I'm just having a bad day. But the more you let that go and you're not looking at pictures and you're not looking at how other people believe you surf and you're just having a good time, the more you'll actually not just feel good, but you would look good anyway. You're dropping that sort of expectation that you put on yourself around what you think, this is the crazy bit, other people think of your surfing. Probably they're worrying about their own surfing. And secondly, it doesn't matter whatever they think, as long as you're having a good time in the water. So photos, you're right, Will. They've helped me enormously change a lot of the things that I want to change, and it's an ongoing process. But equally, they've also slightly taken the edge off sessions that I've kind of enjoyed, but as soon as I look at the picture, the ego takes over the enjoyment of the session, not the being, the deep, authentic, raw being that you are of, I've just been having fun in the waves. So it's a real dance, isn't it, between self-improvement, and remember it's this idea that you're improving against yourself, not against other people because there's always people who rip harder than you and there'll always be people who don't rip as hard as you but it's what does it look like and how does it compare to the previous version of yourself and it's kind of balancing all that out between making those improvements but also not letting it ruin the enjoyment freedom expression of what is art in the water that's the big thing isn't it but it's hard as a human with an ego doing a pursuit that is cool it's very hard to keep that balance so true and you're doing it on a really interesting stage. It's like there's no other sport. Well, golf could be similar. You're on the tee, you're on the fairway, first tee, right, clubhouse watching, yeah. the other people watching, you know, right there. Oof. So I'm sure that's similar. In fact, there's a lot of parallels between golf and, and surfing. Particularly the wave. That- the wave is like that. It's like being on the first tee. Yeah. The booster wave is, is like that, actually, yeah. to be fair. You um, just almost need people going... I know, like, 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 like the triple jump. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I know. That's not, that's so true. And I think that adds to the mental fatigue aspect yeah. of the Bristol wave. It feels quite showy more than normal, maybe. But anyway, it's to say that when you were talking about this, uh, there's always going to be people better than you. Of course there is. And there's always going to be people who are not quite as good as you, whatever that good is, you know. Let's be honest, good is how much you're enjoying yourself, as we've always talked about. But let's just purely use this kind of like map of, okay, power of the cutback, completion of turn to whitewash. Let's actually have some parameters there of what we're trying to talk about here. Uh, Ability to store for the barrel, all these sort of things that you can put into sort of like a really finite, like measurable. Surf simply have a level of surf that you can sort of pit yourself against. And I think sort of Wombi have like a wheel of competency. There you go. And if you actually just use that there, just and use it subjectively, it is what, certainly for me, my experience as a surfer, has triggered me the most, if I really think about it, is comparing to those who are ripping harder. Rather than actually take the lessons of what they're doing 
and really calmly break it down. Okay, this, 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 this. They get their body like that. That's how they bend their knees. Do this, do this. This is what they do that with their lifestyle, nutrition, their, mm-hmm. all these training aspects. This is what they do. It's rather than that, <laughs> it's totally unconscious. It's all egoic. And it's like, fuck, I wish I could surf like that. Yeah. But there are some sort of obviously physiological bits that help, you know, if you've got certain attributes. Sometimes you look at surfing and, and we have this scale, even the great scales that we're talking about, you know, from like, you know, well, let's call it beginner, improver, you know, and then you move into what's an expert anyway. But, you know, you get to the level where you've got a comp- level of competency that you're now in this kind of excelling at what you're doing. You're trying and you're experimenting with things. But in a way, I think sometimes it'd be better to break it down and say, okay, you know, here's Kelly Slater. I'm just using, here you go, Kelly. Well, he's a surfer. And what level is he? Oh, he's, he's a hundred thousand hours of practice surfer. Okay. And he eats this and his nutrition. Okay. And where am I? Well, I'm down here. I'm a 3,000 hours of practice. I'm sort of ripping a bit of Malcolm Gladwell and a bit of Matthew Said, if you read his book, Bounce, about the power of practice in any sport that, unlike basketball, doesn't require you to be, you know, six for eight to kind of really excel. So you say, well, of course, of course, I'm not going to be there yet because I can't make up for the, you know, 93,000 hours of practice I haven't had or 97,000 hours of practice I haven't had against um, Kelly there. But I can start, and I can start to build my repertoire of practice. And alongside that, as we are as mindful surfers, I can put in nutrition improvements, I can put in body balance, I can do functional training that helps me get better. But instead of looking at it like, oh, you're a kook, well, of course, anybody that hasn't surfed for more than 10 hours is going to you might have some bits that help you. You might be a naturally balanced. You might be an athlete. We've seen people excel really quickly at this who have got athletic prowess and they apply themselves. You come from snowboarding or something maybe. But still, there's no substitute for that relentless experience and practice of all the conditions. In the same way that, you know, I feel like, well, I'm making really big improvements, but I haven't served powerful barrels, you know, in Hawaii, for example. I could get to a level where I'm thinking, oh, three to five foot surf, I feel like quite a competent surfer. You put me in a situation where it's heavy, barreling, powerful reef break, and I'm right back down there. I've got no practice of that. I've got some kind of basics of muscle memory of how I paddle and take off. But in terms of conditions, and that especially around mindset, well, I'm all the way back down to to nothing. So I'm starting again. That's kind of, let's call it kook level if we're doing the labels that we do as surfers. It's kind of being kind to yourself and saying, that person there, if I am going to do a comparison, what is the constructive view of how they've got to that level and what have they done to get there? And then just being kind to yourself that you can't do that overnight. No. It's like starting to learn a musical instrument saying, I love the guitar and I've got to this level. But you're not going to be Slash or Jimmy Page or whoever because, well, they've just been practicing in all sorts of conditions and places and relentlessly. You're going to have to do 20 years to catch them up. So I think it's really important to put it down as that in some ways, rather than where do I sit on the competency scale? So true. You can cheat it objectively then. Yeah. The question I have regarding surf progression quite often is, how can I increase my confidence and joy in conditions that currently I don't feel very confident in and I don't enjoy that much? And just like you said, dude, it's practice. It's just putting yourself in that place, putting yourself in the uncomfortable. And if you lean into the uncomfortable often enough, Suddenly, let's say suddenly, over time and being looking back in hindsight, you better see that, oh my God, I used to not enjoy that kind of surf. 
very much. But having given it this much time and pursuit of persevering, of going in and sticking with it and experimenting with different boards and keeping on board with my nutrition and my training and like keeping this evolution, this journey going, suddenly now I'm really enjoying this type of surf where once I used to not. But here's the thing. It takes a very motivated, self-motivated character in this world of surfing to have that because there's no one around you who's going to do it for you. There's no structural like, okay, 11 against 11, football manager. That football manager might be a real good man. Manager might be able to like, you know, pick you up when you're down and it might be able to say, look, I'm going to move your position because I think you're suffering up front at the moment. We're going to bring you into midfield because I think you might be better suited. You know, there's so much of that. Or in golf, for example... You can just literally choose a different course if there's one that's pushing you too far. Like you can go from a Lynx course, which is by the sand, which is really, really challenging. Loads of bunkers, loads of rough. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's just go on to that course down the road that's a bit whatever. In surfing, we don't have that luxury. You've just got to front up and you've got to go for it. But the reward is immense because anything in life that's challenging changes us. Yeah. If something's truly challenging if you go into that and you lean into that enough you'll suddenly have these moments these super special moments that we all have as surfers and they don't come very often that's why they're special you know what i mean if you had them all the time if you took off on that bar more or even a small wave for you it might be because for me personally i have found small dribbly waves my non-joy place like i find it really hard to get flow going but in that journey i started to go shit i need to get on a longboard I'm a six foot two male, 93 kgs, who's not built for two foot surfing and ripping. And now let's get on a longboard. And, and actually I was like, Shh, ah, yeah, get on a longboard. Once it gets four feet plus again or whatever, okay, now get back on your shortboard or whatever. But that's not been an easy journey because the longboarding was really hard, yeah. really hard. But I knew that there was something in it mm-hmm. that I needed to do, that challenge. It yeah. was hard. And now when I longboard, I can tap into it. And I'm not amazing at it, but I get a level of joy from it that is wonderful because it's about your personal experience, isn't it? But the point of what I'm saying all here is that there is no comparison. Like some people might find like point breaks their most favorite thing in the whole world. Other people might find them really, really challenging. Some people might find like dredging, powerful Hawaiian style surf, like just joy, like lay that pintail on rail. And as soon as they look at an event that they've got to go and do, this is even a pro because we can even think of them from the years gone by. Like Sonny Garcia was one. He used to hate doing the French pro when it was like a two foot day in France because he just couldn't even get his board on rail. I mean, so it gives you an insight, doesn't it? Like even a guy who's freaking was world champ, like Sonny Garcia won the world championship, whatever year it was, I think 1996 or so, a long time ago. A guy like that would be able to say, look, actually when it's small and I'm trying to impress the judges with turns, I cannot get joy. I do not have confidence in that. So it's not necessarily just size, is it? It's just, and it's why it's so important that you know your surf journey, keep experimenting with boards, Keep working on your mobility, your strength, your mindset, and keep leaning into challenge. And also start at the point that you go, well, no one's perfect. That sunny comparison is a good kind of pointer around that, isn't it? To say there are bits of everybody that they may or may not, you know, you could improve whether you want to or not is a different story, but there is no perfection, even in the people that you might put on a pedestal to say, wow, they're perfect. Actually, we're all humans and we're all flawed. And I think that's the kind of takeout for mindful surfing into life as well, isn't it? Is that this perfection fetish that we have as surfers, as we often talk about that we nick from uh, William Finnegan's book, is kind of ethereal. It's like, well, it doesn't exist. And if we just chase that perfection, we'll never be satisfied because the thing that you've got in front of you will never be good enough. Whether that's your surfing, uh, whether that's the conditions that you presented with. It's realizing that, you know, and especially in this kind of world of 
comparison and social media as well is that something might look perfect, but we don't know the nuance and the depth to the situation in anything, let alone kind of a snapshot. It's kind of setting that aside and saying, well, no one's perfect. So I'm just going to work on how do I make good enough improvements to improve my flow experience in, in the conditions I've got. And like you say, Will, it's that leaning into things that make you feel uncomfortable. We've both done it, haven't we? And for me, it was always more powerful surf, which you really enjoy. You know, I'm not talking about going and surfing some of the Hawaiian monsters, but I've definitely in the last couple of years got more and more comfortable leaning into bigger and bigger takeoffs and bigger surf. Today, yesterday? Yeah. Was three, four feet of air? Yeah. Easily. And very powerful. Yeah. And it's nothing's changed, really. I mean, obviously there's experience, so that we go back to that practice, how many hours of practice you had. Well, I've now had, and this is a perfect thing, I've practiced more in those conditions than I had when I was more frightened of it. And if you lean into the thing that you're frightened of and you hit it with practice and training, then anything's possible. And you start to do things. Again, I'm sort of referencing a tiny bit of nicking from Stephen Kotler's book about being superhuman. It's finding what your level of superhuman is and saying, you know, three years ago, you might not have tried, even tried that. You would have been too frightened to try it. But if you keep just chipping away at it and you don't run away from it, you might find that you embrace and you enjoy those conditions more than so, you ever thought you would. Was it a sort of like, maybe it's a sort of Buddhist thing as well, but there was some quote that said, the further you run away from a problem, and let's say in this case, the problem is what you're most frightened of, or the further you run away from fear, the further away you are from the solution to that. And the closer you lean into the thing that you're most frightened of, the more you'll find an answer to the question that somewhere something is asking. So fucking good. I love that. And so much of where we started this conversation, for me, it was something I wanted to mention, was when it comes to seeing yourself and how you surf, either from other people's feedback or from photos, videos, it's keeping that mind aware of itself, of that ego, where that journey has come from. And for me, when I was looking at some of those cutbacks, where sort of some of those triggers come from, those kind of really measly, not great cutbacks. For me, just watching it going, no, no, board's not on rail. I haven't completed that properly. I haven't swung my arms around. There's no twist, leaning twist there. It looks just really ungainly. It's have the self-awareness in your surfing journey to notice what potentially has caused triggers as a way of self-understanding. Now, for me personally, I was trying to become a professional rugby player when I was younger one of the things I noticed around that time was I did well with coaches who would offer praise and not very well with coaches who offered criticism. And that was a young ego that couldn't handle someone saying, okay, well, this is something you need to work on. And that wasn't good enough. There was way too much of a shield in place. And so fast forwarding to those videos that I saw at the Bristol Wave, it's exactly the same set of triggers. It's this not wanting to kind of look within and look at your own fears of like what you're not doing. And not even maybe accepting, because it might not even be a thing that you can do anything about. You might just have to purely go, it is what it is, and this is where you're at and you're surfing, like Christ's sake. But there's a bit of fear around that, because you go, no, but I, I know I can surf better. And I know, who are you trying to prove this to? And of course, no one cares. No one cares. And that's what's always so amazing about anything we're trying to pursue in life, any area of life in terms of success. See, no one cares how successful you are. But they've got their own shit anything. to deal with. They've got their own shit. They don't really give a shit. And if they did, I mean, that's their business, not yours. So it's being able to kind of understand yourself well enough to see how your mind and ego can either hold back your surf progression, it can make you feel isolated, it can make you feel fearful, or how in becoming aware of it, you can start to unravel it and let it go and let it pass and seek new territory. And one thing I wanted to mention on that was that for some people who are, for example, in that shortboarding realm, they've got this like backlog of, well, I've surfed 
abroad and I've surfed pumping waves and my local spot is pumping. And as they age, some of their fear might be having to let go of the past. And the past was when they were fitter, younger and ripped harder. And for a really mindful surfer, there's that, oh yeah, maybe I need more volume now. Yeah. And not just a few litres, but a lot of litres. And maybe it needs to be longer now. Maybe it needs to be this. And that's just another example because often fear is just more looked at like what we've talked about, which is, you know, wave size. Boom. As it gets higher and higher, it gets more and more scary. Not always the case. It can actually be the fear of, of getting older. You know, the fear is like, oh, shit, actually my body cannot do that as well as it once did. Yeah. And getting a puddle jumper or a mm. longboard or, a, you know, whatever can be a really like, it, for a lot of people, it sounds strange this, but that can be quite a big step that. Yeah. Because they're like, I'm letting go of this idea that I'm trying to turn into Kelly Slayer. <laughs> well, you might, you can lose your hair like Kel. Kelly. You can, Kel? Yes. Oh, oh, Kel, my mate, Kel. Oh, we're best mates. Oh, now we're oh, best all right. mates. All right there, Kel. Yeah. Hey, up, Kel. You want a cup of tea, Kel? Kel Slater. Do you want biscuit? No, don't eat biscuits. Yeah. Anyway. Dude. Let's not take the piss out of Kelly Slater. Dude, no such thing as perfection except for the fact that my bush right now is absolutely perfect. Oh, I had to give it a very, very solid trim. For all these recent swells, so it doesn't get stuck in, oh in the wetsuit. You get Charlton well, Knot. We discussed we Charlton Knot before. We were doing brilliantly well Charlton without Knot. you mentioning anything. I know. To do I've with got this little. Mm, I know. Toilet humour. I've got this little habit. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at the Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends, or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review? Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. Second number two, a few moments to check in with your breathing. Take a breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. While you keep taking deep breaths, just see if you can notice your body at the same time. And while noticing your body, just really let it be present. Because I know you've got stuff on later today and I know that you've had stuff on this morning and I know that there's all kinds of bits and bobs going on in your mind. But just relax your tummy and your breath at the same time. Let your body relax. Take one more deep breath in. And then breathe out really slowly. Good work, guys. Well done. Breathing has this amazing effect on the body, but often it's when we need it the most that we're least likely to think about doing it. Yeah, 100%. When you're in the midst of triggers or fearful situations or stressful situations, you know, whatever it might be, it's when we are least likely to do it because we're caught up in it now. So the last thing you think of is, is taking care of yourself like that. So that's why the morning routine is so important. Yeah. I'm going to come on to that later on today. I really want to share some stuff that's really helped me just lately in regards to surfing and life in general. But if you can have a morning routine that starts things off in that way, starts things off mm -hmm. mindfully, it seems to switch on a light that for most of the day stays there. Now, it still takes mindful moments, I think, throughout the day of just decompressing and breathing etc to keep remaining mindful of those thoughts and those triggers but that morning bit is is big do you find that at all do you, do you need to yeah just in a sort of live experience of this is that for example you get into a healthy routine of like you know i don't switch on my phone until let's like say 8 30 or 9 some mornings 
and I try and keep that out of, I don't even look at it until I'm out of the bedroom and downstairs and sort of getting ready for the day. But invariably, the times I lose focus of that and I slip back into it, oh, I've got work to check, I better check early, I've got some stuff to, is the days that get off on the wrong foot because your body is not awake and aware enough to kind of deal with any minor stress that's coming to this kind of often terrible thing that we hold in our hands that sort of has got the power to distract and destroy us at any moment. It's trying to fight back a little bit against those external influences that take you out the here and now. Because as soon as you switch that on, you're transported to whichever place you are not in. But your mind's there already. It's gone. You've lost your mind. You literally lost your mind to another place. I had a routine. I read this book at Christmas last year, maybe it was. And that was quite a good grounder of reminding yourself to try and own every day and not worrying about it if you made one mistake and you could start every day as a new start, right? It was Aubrey Marcus's book, Own a Day, Own Your Life, I think it was. And some of it's a bit kind of formulaic, but I like Aubrey. He does some good stuff. As Aubrey's great. Yeah. A lot of those sort of tips in there around sort of breathing and what we talk about, Will, are very, very helpful. And I know when I get that right and I have a morning practice where I bring breath awareness to body and do the, almost the kind of quite now mainstream body scanning stuff that comes with uh, mindfulness. And then relax and have hydration in the form of water with, what, you know, you guys take whatever supplements you need to take. But for me, a bit of salt and get things moving again. And then a kind of very mindful coffee and just really think about the day and then have a time when I switch on to the other things in the world. That's when things get off to a reasonably good start. And even if they don't, you're well primed to deal with it. You know, I fall in and out of good practice and then into bad practice. The thing I think I'm better at now is being aware that I'm in bad practice when I'm in it. Whereas previously, when I was kind of killing myself trying to work and build something, you're so unaware of the situation. Or even if you are, the awareness is locked out by ego, fear, drive, ambition, whatever you want to call it, worry, that you can't claw yourself back to a place where you are setting that intention for the day. I really had to kind of pull myself back into a place where I could say, okay, I'm aware of this now. The balance is healthier. So when I do set, as you say, you know, breath work, awareness of body, not engaging in technology early, and then you throw in some of the other things that, you know, people who listen to the show will be well aware of, you know, cold shower therapy, fasting sometimes, or good breakfast other days, and just having an intention every day to kind of be a better version of yourself. Again, it's making sure you, you anchor that rather than it being, oh, somebody over there is having a better, you know, they're doing better than I am or whatever it might be. So when I do it, it's good. And when I don't, at least now I'm aware of it. So I think that's the thing for me. I try and have a practice every morning. It's really good. And what I find amazing about emotions and the ones that we find more challenging, not necessarily the ones we love and enjoy, although there's challenge in that too, we can discuss, is I have another one trigger, shall we say, emotionally. And whether it's my ear or my mind or whatever it is, it's like, really? Again? Like, I could have sworn that was done. Like, that was, you know, signed, sealed, delivered. We wouldn't feel that again. Ah, <sighs> here we are again. And this will be life. And I think that there are two parts, really. I mean, there are many parts within this, and it's nuance, of course. But there are two, just for the sake of what I'm saying, two parts, really, to dealing with emotions. And one is distracting yourself from them. And the other one that's way more difficult and more uncomfortable and oftentimes painful is leaning into the ownership of them, that you are creating them, in effect. Now, I know a lot of that's very reactive and it might have been caused by other people and whatever else, but really, if you were able to catch it sooner, 
then you could have stayed calmer. And that's something we don't often want to hear at the time of being triggered because it's what triggers one person. Another person might be like, what? Mm -hmm. You're on about. We're all so different. Just like we were saying earlier today, Dan, we compare ourselves with Kelly Slater. Although, by the way, if any anybody compares themselves, even fucking Owen Wright or someone, you're going to feel shit against what Kelly can do. But the thing with it is that Dan, we compare ourselves with the, what stuff that we are triggered by to anyone else. All we've got to do in our surfing and life journey, I believe, when it comes to becoming emotionally well and not having stuff stay in you, that's the key. Like, what is the goal of mindfulness work when it comes to feeling healthier? It's to not let stuff simmer and linger around all that stuff, which is to be able to lean into it. Mm-hmm. Where's this coming from? Is it in my body? Is it in my mind? Do I need to just sit with the uncomfortable right now because I can't actually solve what's going on here? Because often that's sometimes to do with other people. We can't control other people. So a lot of it is just purely letting go of the lack of control that you have and the feelings that you're feeling in that way. Because it is so, so easy to lean towards sugar, foods, you know, alcohol, nights out, drugs, YouTube, you name it. Keep adding in what you will, magazines. I mean, anything that's a distraction. Distraction is definitely there. And I think it's a kind of this, as I was saying, is it's being kind enough to yourself to allow those lapses in improvement. Because there is one thing that is for certain is that just because you've solved today's problem, or let's even call it a challenge. There isn't not going to be the same challenge again. It's a recurring theme. Like I love that kitchen one that you've come up with Will, before is it's just because the kitchen's clean tonight doesn't mean it will be clean tomorrow evening. And it's the you putting in that work to keep that cleanliness of whatever it is, mind, body, spirit, soul, house, kitchen, you know, to create that line of, if you like, balance between order and chaos that gets you into a life that is at least you are aware of the situations that present themselves and that create those triggers and that you can lean into them more and you can get closer to the problem rather than running away from it and in doing so, fix it quicker. And then when it comes back up again, you can do the same thing again and again. And I think that's the kind of key, isn't it? That you have to also take responsibility and ownership for those things. And then you can apply that right back into surfing. It's no good sitting around and complaining about the fact that the condition's not very good or your board's crap or, you know, the kook's there and this and that, the blah, blah, blah. You have to get hold of the thing you're trying to improve or do or change and change it through, unfortunately, hard work, discipline and practice. Going one way through. There is. There ain't no shortcuts. There ain't no shortcuts, lad. There we go. Well, um, we're here we're going deep there. Dude, absolutely. Deep, brother. Second number three, Mind Body Stoke, things Liam and I have been working on to raise the stoke. I've surfed 14 times in the last 10 days, I think maybe 15. There were a few of those days where there were more than one. In particular, one day where I had three in one day. That was a bit bit nuts. Yep. But I've had a lot of people away. It's been half term. And I just kind of thought, let's just make the most of it. In many ways, or in one way, it's mindless. Because I've had a body that's going, oh my God, please, please give me some rest. So that's the mindless aspect, the classic kind of unconscious, ridiculously silly comments like, oh, honey. And I'm, by the way, I'm talking to my wife here last night. Oh, honey, that's it. I'm, I am done. I'm f- so done. Even if it's pumping tomorrow, I'm just, I'm cooked. Next morning was this morning. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> I was like, fuck, it's on. Let's do it. And I think we've got to be so kind to ourselves around the surfing thing in that way, because what pulls us and lures us into the surf is so special. It can't be discussed with words. So give yourself a break. We are all going to 
have a really tired body that could just do with some rest and go surf. And would it be the healthiest thing to go surf again in massive ways with loads of paddling? Probably not. A little bit in the similar way of like, you know, is it healthy going out on a Friday night and having a load of pints of beer? Um, probably not. But is it good for the soul? Well, probably. And that's what's really interesting about health. It's sort of, people look at health in a linear fashion, black, white. Yeah. Well, also, it's about what you go into that with as a, a kind of energy and a mindset. You know I'm going to defend the beer drinking bit of that. If you go into that activity with a happy, open, buoyant heart. Good word. You have a great time. And if you go into it thinking it's going to fix the pain and the misery, you're going to be hit even harder by that pain and the misery once the drug starts to kind of do its thing. And it's the same with surfing. So surfing, as we've said a lot of the time, it's a crutch for a lot of us. And it has been for me included, especially during those times that I mentioned earlier. And you go, well, it's an unfair expectation to put on that thing for it to be the savior and the salvation for everything that I need redemption from in the world. Better to put in a joyous energy to that activity and get the epic rebound of energy that comes back from that. So it's trying to do that a little bit more, really, mm. with whatever it is. But you're right. I mean, from a body perspective, we have to fill our boots, don't we, when we get surf here. But I am now as cooked as cooked can be from a... I am worn out. We were saying just before the show, there is something in that that changes your brain chemistry as well, isn't it? It feels great to be that fatigued through not just physical exertion, because we know that that feels good anyway, to tire the muscles of the body out. Because we're in this such a sort of tiring of the brain world that we live in with, you know, both good and bad, but to tie your body out with something that you get so much joy from and you put so much joy into is the best drug in, in the world. I don't think anything would ever come close to that for me. It's so true. And one of my biggest symptoms of being overtrained, oversurfed, overcooked, but soulfully feeling incredibly full and yeah. like, this is just great. On a physical front is the brain. My brain feels, like you said, like, you know, like in one way, in a really good way, it's like ultra calm because of just this physical fatigue. But at the same time, in terms of like mental alertness, mental agility, remembering things and just like speed of thought and whoa, that really like whoo, starts to suffer. And I wonder if someone's probably got more knowledge of biochemistry would be able to tell me, but it something feels like it's like there's just so many free radicals flying through the body because, you know, if I was prescribing a healthy program, I wouldn't say to someone to surf 14 times in 10 no days way. for three hours at a time or whatever. Like that's just, it's silly. But like we've said, like in your soul, there's just, oh, it's been what a wonderful time. One thing I will say is I wanted to mention in this body bit, despite having surfed so much, for the first time in my life, truly first time in my life, I performed the pre-dawny preparation work that I've kind of always wanted to do and just had never quite had the discipline and motivation to do it. And it started Friday because the Thursday surf, I'd had an okay surf, but my boots were being funny and then I'd take them off and then it was all a bit funky. I know you had an epic session. That's because I don't wear boots at this time of you year. You don't bloody it's wear boots. Too northern, innit? Way too hard, lad. And I went, right, let's use yesterday's surf as a sort of like fuel to prepare more because I'd surfed a ton on the Wednesday, not prepared massively for the Thursday surf in terms of stretching and muscle activation and all these like, breathing, etc. Hadn't surfed that well there. And then it went, right, so, come on. First time in your life, do this thing you've always wanted to do. I want to do one hour. You set the alarm or the timer for one full hour. Pre-dawny yoga, water, espresso, but like breathing through it. Loads of stretching, loads of balancing. Get this body ready to go, like preparation. Mm -hmm. And it, it was gold. 
I surfed with flow and I had bending the knees and the hips and the back. There was a flow, flow, flow to the whole thing. And then I went, right, next day. I know I'm so oversurfed. I'm overcooked. I'm surfed out. But I'm going to, again, I'm going to do an hour. Bang, got out. It was not easy when that alarm went off. <laughs> alarm went off. It's like, it's good for the soul. Keep that motivation in mind. It's hurting the body right now, but this is so, so good for your soul. You know you can take care of this body if you do your yoga. Again, did about an hour of yoga. And wow, because the amazing thing about yoga type activities is you're doing stretching, yes, mm-hmm. but you're also doing parasympathetic nervous system reset work as well. What is that? Well, in surfing, you stimulate the sympathetic nervous system, produces a lot of adrenaline, norepinephrine, cortisol, these three hormones that are stress hormones, but they're hormones that don't necessarily mean that you feel stressed. They're just being produced in bucket loads because you have to, because you're exercising hard, you're focusing on these big takeoffs. You've got loads of these very, very healthy stress hormones flying through your body. You produce them enough day after day after day, starts to take its toll. So when you do yoga work, pre-surf, if you've been having a really busy time of it at work or just surfing in general or training hard or you've got a new baby or you've just come back from an injury, if you've had a a good, healthy level of of sympathetic nervous system overload, it's the rebalance. It's the yin Mm -hmm. with the yang. And when you do that deep breathing in through the nose for four, hold the stretch, hold the breath, breathe out for eight, and you do that for an hour, it does something really special. It resets yeah. Your hormones gets you back into a place where you can pull from the well again, so to speak. You've got to fill the well to pull from the well. Mm-hmm. And it's been trying for the last few days to really practice that. And I tell you, honestly, for the first time in my life, I was truly able to make the most of these three days of powerful swell because I sort of almost felt like it was time to like, right, sort your shit out. You're going to get ready for a surf. Let's get truly, truly ready for it. I am not the guy or girl who can just go surf. Like Jamie O'Brien, apparently, literally, oh, get up. Red Bull in mm-hmm. and just, oh, fuck it. Just don't worry about it. Just so, and that's his routine. Mm. Mine, whoo, it's like you got to just get the car going. It's like it's a, you know, one of those cars that you go to try and start it. <laughs> it doesn't want to start. You need to, okay, now you got to let it go for a bit. You got to put some, you know, de-icer in the coolant. And get you gotta, it moving. That's it. I wouldn't want to have a Red Bull before doing anything. No. That's another sponsor that we won't be getting. On a serious note, though, I don't know how people do that. That's, I would have such a crash if I took Red Bull before I went surfing. I know. I know. I'd come out and I would feel worse. I know. I, think. I know. I know. I do agree. Yeah. I sometimes wonder whether they're actually ever drinking Red Bull when they're sort of smashing It's it not a bad shout. And you do think, like, there are a lot of people sponsored by Red Bull who are definitely in that space of influence regarding young people and whatever else. And it's one of those ones where... It is a kind of sugary drink. It's I a, mean, we used to drink... It is what it is. TVRs, tequila vodka Red Bulls in the thatch... Yeah. 20 years ago, I don't know. And then go surfing the next day. And I can tell you, I was not optimal. <laughs> it doesn't give you wings. Yeah. yeah it does you. while you're drinking it. It does while you're drinking it. It's one of those ones where we've talked nutritionally in this show regarding the nuance of nutrition. There are a lot of people who could do great on a ripple before a surf. I mean, I really mean that. Yeah. And it wouldn't be detrimental to health. I, with my experience in my own body and experience working with others, would just say that there are such better things out there than that before a surf. But in particular, just having sugar. Sugar pre-workout anything, like you said, just gives you a big spike. So you're sort of much better off having something that's like much more slow release, full of minerals. So it's the minerals you really need. Mm-hmm. Potassium, sodium, magnesium, all those kind of minerals, the electrolytes. So banana, if you are going to have carbs before a surf, like I generally always fast before a surf, 
if you like carbs before exercise, yeah. it's banana. But there's nothing more perfect than banana. Have you done this recipe? I, I'm doing them at the moment. It's banana pancake, but it's just banana and egg. Perfect. That's all you need. Perfect. Let's say you could have two bananas and two eggs. You mix them up. You can drop a bit of peanut butter in if you want or any other... Oh, egg. can you? You can. There's no rule against that. There's no rule against it. <laughs> Put in what you want. Put some Red Bull in it if you want. But you, then you Okay. I don't know. You no, could do. Maybe. I don't particularly go for that stuff myself, but if you want to. So you just like do that. Mix it up. It's really easy. Fry it in a pan either side. Delicious. You don't really taste the egg. It's a very banana-y pancake. Big, big fan of those at the moment. Very nice. Anyway. It's turned into cooking club, hasn't it? You got any other recipes? Cooking club. Receipts. Anything else you want to share? No, I think now we're in the place where it's knowing that body needs rest and recovery before we go again. Well, we've got a flat spell coming now. So but I'm, I'm sort of dreading. I did this last week as well because we had so much surf. My biggest pool session is on a Monday night. Oh, God. Eight till nine. Yes, tomorrow. So I've got like two and a half thousand metres to cover. I do not of, envy you. Of being oh. thrashed by fit young people saying, get a swim. You need to do that. Hard work. Same number four. Surf Media Insight. Um, I watched Stab. I got onto it because I was Googling the Puddle Jumper reviews. I just wanted to see who else had reviewed the puddle. And most of the top guys and gals out there doing reviews have just done the HP. Oh yeah. And not the the Ultra Puddle Vibes, the original, the OG. And I was thinking, I wonder why that is. I sort of wonder it's like it's because I've had people look at my puddle and hold it under their arm and hear the dimensions and hear me talk about surfing and stuff and go, God wow, isn't that just a bit big and a bit this and a bit that. It's, that's a boat, mate. Yeah. I remember I saw this guy over at a break nearby and we were exchanging items because he uh, was buying something off me and he went, and what are you riding there? And I was like, oh, puddle jumper. And he's like, God, that's huge. How do you do turns of that? And I think the thing with it is that what I've realised about this one coming onto this, Stab Magazine did a review of the, the HP. Like I said, I couldn't find a proper decent bit of video footage on the original PJ. Is because I think maybe the people who really do these reviews are riding ways where you just wouldn't need a puddle. Because mm-hmm. it is a really, really fat board. But also maybe because they're sort of trying to do these things. I mean, the board brands are very clever out there. And magazines and these people in general, that they're trying to put out that message out there that, you know, try and go smaller. Try and go narrower. Try and go cooler, shall we say. And we've both said this before ourselves. I have been massively caught up in that before. Mm. And I have just recently bought a smaller board that's pointier and mm. it's got a little bit of curve in it. But it's knowing when and when not to use these boards because it can have such an effect on your level of, co- of confidence or where you're at in your surfing. The review I saw by Stab Magazine of the Puddle Jumper High Performance made it look really, really, really cool. But the waves that they surf are such where you go, yeah, I could get a Puddle Jumper HP, but it wouldn't get used to where we live. Some of those reviews for us are more to just watch people surfing great waves yeah, yeah. rather than whether that board would go in our break, which is Mushburger's town. And the puddle's been brilliant for surfing more of a shorter board on what essentially are mushy waves. So I think it's a great piece of kit. Where I agree, because I think there's a bit of snobbery around some of the top guys and the OG puddle, you know, that we surf. It can make it easier to surf, but you're racing away from the pocket. Is if you go too big on it, it is a tricky, because I've taken yours out, and that's a bigger version of the puddle than mine, in a croid that time, and that's one of the worst surfs I've ever had. I nearly died, because it was too big for the, couldn't even get it under the, dive on a couple of occasions so it's finding the right board for the conditions isn't it that's like everything until you try it you don't know so so true yeah if you're in that place at the moment where you're wondering what board to go for take a punt Mm. 
just get the board that you really have set your heart on. Because even if it is a mistake, you then got to ask, is there such a thing as a mistake? Break that word down. Mistake. Why would you not take in the lessons it's taught you? So if you get this board that your heart is set on, you take it out enough times, 10, 20, 30 times. Takes a fair few goes to work out a board. Really, doesn't it? I mean, in a range of conditions. Absolutely. I'd say 15 to 20 goes with different fins. Yeah. To give it a real go. Don't just write the board off straight away. That's a very, that's the thing surfers do. We say, oh, two surfs, I didn't, I hated it. You know, you got to give it time. Is to then not only A, take that punt, show a bit of courage, go for it, just see what you think. But then B, be able to let go of the board if it doesn't work. Mm. Because it's such a journey. Yeah. You'll just know. We've talked about so many times, the way surfing looks, and then you've got the way surfing feels. If you feel amazing on your new board, despite, and that's in capital block letters, what other people think about your style when you're on that board, because everyone's going to judge, oh, it's way too small a board for that person, or whatever it is, or too big a board, or whatever. If you feel good on that board, fuck everyone else. And there is lesson in life, isn't it? Don't let other people ruin or affect your enjoyment of something that feels good. You know, friends, family, spouse, whatever it is, other people will always have an opinion on what you do. But as you've said before, opinions are like arseholes. Everybody's got one. And sometimes the bigger the opinion, the bigger the arsehole. <laughs> wow, what a quote. <laughs> yeah. What a full quote. You've taken that initial pull check quote and added yeah. another nugget to it. That was fantastic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right on that bombshell. Beautiful, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. We'll be here next week. Bye. See you later. <laughs>